I am Rob C. and I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Becky, for asking me to um, share today. I have some remarks. I want to pull them up here real quick, just an outline. Anything you hear uh, out of me today is is my own story. It's not OA. It's not our inner group. It's it's just one compulsive overeater in recovery. And um, how I got to OA. I was adopted as a baby. Um, third day, um, my birth mother turned me over for adoption. I was adopted by a family that, um, you know, was it was normal, middle-class um, family. My dad was an engineer. My mom had left the working world to stay home. She was unable to have children. So for her, it was a gift. Um, she was very protective. Um, the oldest of seven kids, uh, Italian-Irish, and food was a major part of their culture, which I got to bask in later too. To my, my adoptive mom, food was an answer to a lot of things. Oh, you're upset. Do you want a cookie? Oh, you're upset. Would you like a banana? Are you upset? Food uh, became a friend. Uh, food became a comforter. Um, food made things get better. And um, food was kind of love. It was associated with love until it wasn't. Off to school, um, I was one of the heavier kids in class growing up. I had these great nicknames like Fat Boy, Lard. Later on, we picked class names and you could free associate and come up with whatever name you wanted for someone in the class and it stuck. Mine was lovingly Hips. Oh, I loved that name, Hips. I was shopping with my mother one time in a, in a store, I believe it was Sears, and they had the uh, young men's section and were looking around for it. And uh, I noticed there were some girls from school there. My mom calls out through Sears, Rob, the Husky section is over here. Guess what my nickname was that year? Yeah, Husky. Oh, that was that was a stellar year. It really was. Anyway, moving along. As I said, um, my mom was the oldest of seven. We had these huge family gatherings. I mean, cousins, aunts, and uncles, and every single holiday, birthday. It was all around food. Endless amounts of food, Italian food. And if you didn't eat it, oh. It was an insult. It was an insult. Hey, Teresa, look at the boy over here. He's not eating my food. I worked all day on this, huh? What's wrong with, or later it was, hey, Teresa, he's eating everything. I had a couple cousins that were my eating buddies as well. Your kids are eating everything. Eh, maybe. Time goes by. You know, I, I suffer through all that. I get thin, I get heavy, I get thin, I get heavy. I've lost and gained 100 pounds a few times in my career. I got to the point where I decided to do something called OptiFast. And uh, I was a star. I lost over 100 pounds in a few months. Graduated. And I was cured. I was cured. I was chiseled. I was ready to go in the Louvre, which is my background here. I was a statue. It's going to stay this way until it didn't. And so being the manipulative uh, overeater, 
even though they tell you they don't do this, I talk them into another round. Oh, it's different this time. I've learned. I won't fall into those old behaviors. Uh, you know, let me back. And they let me back in. Couldn't do it a second time. Just couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't hold on to it. And I felt it slipping away. That's when I really learned about relapse. So around this time, I'd also been married um, for the first time. Had a daughter. Um, that marriage didn't work out. Gee, I wonder why. You know, basking in the disease. Both of us were kind of immature. Things led to things. I got an apartment. I'm alone in my apartment. And I decided, screw it. I'm going to eat. So I went down and bought a block of one of my favorite things. And the block of thing and me had an argument. The block was either going in my body or it was going in the disposer. And we argued for a while. This is insanity, right? Who argues with a block of whatever it was? Well, it went in the disposer and I found my first meeting. I can't even tell you how I got there. I guess God drove the car. I don't know. I don't know. And the meeting was right by the, right by the house. It was just up the street. I lived in Orange County. There were meetings everywhere in 1990. It was thriving. It was a fun, exciting time in recovery, at least for me. And I was new, you know. I was on that pink cloud because it was sure better than what I was doing. But I didn't work the steps. I didn't get a sponsor. Um, I decided to become this wild single guy, and I got a place down on the Balboa Peninsula in Newport Beach. I bought a sailboat. And I was going to live it up. Well, what I did was my plan of action was to rollerblade 15 miles a day and become an exercise bulimic. Going into meetings saying, oh yeah, I, I got a plan. My plan was rollerblade like an insane maniac and eat 5,000 calories a day. And I could lose weight doing that. So I couldn't rollerblade like that every day. And then what do you do? It's me and the food, the liar, the deceiver, the evil entity for me. And then I lie to myself. I'm not doing that again. This is the last time. I'm going to start this tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a new start. No. So I was working the program. The last thing I thought would happen is meeting a girl in program. It is not. I didn't come to OA to pick up ladies. I came to OA to get well. But I met her. And against her sponsor's wishes, we were friends. We dated. And today is our 28th wedding anniversary. When Becky asked me to speak today, she didn't know that. God knew that. My higher power knew what today was, March 20th. So March 20th, 1993, we were married. God granted, gave me that gift. However, life got good. We went away from program, you know, the girl I met in program, both of us, maybe her sponsor was right. I mean, you know, you're supposed to listen to your sponsor, but she also said it wouldn't work. So I don't know, 28 years later, I don't know where she is, but I know where that girl is today. And um, behind me is a picture of the Louvre. 
My disease got me to the point where I did the Louvre in a wheelchair. I had destroyed some of my joints, you know, with the weight. And uh, I knew that if I walked it, it would be a day of pain and maybe the day after of pain and maybe the day after that, I don't know. And here we are in Paris and what, I'm gonna lay around in pain moaning? No, I did it in a wheelchair. Did that stop me from eating? No, no, not really, not really. Off I went. So yeah, I was on that hiatus from program and I retired. In retirement, I had decided that I had no value and no purpose. I had defined a lot of what I did by what I did professionally. I had some success, rose up, had a, had a long career in engineering, um, was involved in a lot of great situations. I loved it, worked a lot of hours, but when it was over, that was it. So I started living vicariously through reality TV shows and eating and mindless eating. You know, stopping at plate, bowl, cup, bag, looking down and going, where'd all that go? Realizing I'm the only one here. I know exactly where it went. And I made a decision. I decided to not fight it anymore. I got a major case of the efforts. If I'm going to be heavy, I'm retired. I can sit in this house and become the biggest person ever alive. Being an engineer, I love data. I haven't heard anybody in a way say this, but maybe somebody, maybe somebody else has this story. I created a spreadsheet not to track my weight loss, to chart my weight gain. I was going to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, how much I wanted. I challenged myself to gain 30 pounds in 30 days, and I was successful. I was ready to do it again. Here's the thing. I started that challenge at 300 pounds. That challenge put me to 330. I had high blood pressure, severe sleep apnea, used a sleep CPAP machine. I already talked to you about my joints. I'd had my hip replaced. You talk about insanity, that your life is unmanageable. I was ready to do it again. I saw 360 in my head. I saw 400, 500. I didn't care. I used to try to hide in public. And when I went out now, I almost wanted them to look at me and say, ew, what has he done? It, it's crazy. I see that now. The disease had taken over. I had given myself to it. I wasn't going to fight anymore, like I said. At that time, I had a 60-inch waist. I was dying. There's a story in the big book about a man that retired, and he got out the pipe the slippers, and for him, he got the alcohol, and he was dead in four years. I was into that plan. I was into that plan. I don't know where it would have gone. <clears throat> and um, 
what happened? My mind kept telling me on the other side, this is unsustainable. You got to do something. But that little demon on the shoulder, no, no, it's fine. You're fine. You, you can do this. Oh, this is fun. You love experiences. Let's experience this. I got to step zero. This stuff just has to stop. It just has to stop. So I prayed, you know, um, and not just, oh, God, please help me. It was deeper than that. Um, there was a spiritual experience that led to a spiritual awakening. And I told him I would turn over my will in my life to my higher power. I call mine God. You can define yours any way you want. I became willing to become willing. I actually surrendered because I was whipped. I'm sorry. Two minutes. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, of the 20 or the 15? 15. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, through that process, God took away the craving and obsession the way it was. Through that, I learned that he loves me. And it's now my life, but his will. Is it perfect? No, absolutely not. I'm a human being. I still have flaws, quite a lot of them. Is it better? Yes. I now have a sponsor. I now work the steps. I'm now working on the character defects. I go to meetings. I give service. I've had a gastric bypass surgery, and it's really the six months prior to that when I went into the counseling and the prep that I count my abstinence because that's when I stopped eating like a crazy person. That's when I started eating more mindfully and being present. Today, I turn from some of those foods. I'm not here to sell gastric bypass. It's, it's not a cure. It's a tool. Through service to others, I have found the value and the purpose. I now believe God prepared me for this time. He prepared me to give service to others during this pandemic. I, I mean, I feel it. I feel it. Because he has a plan. I know that now. Um, I don't get to see the whole plan. I get to see pieces. He reveals pieces to me. And sometimes it's multiple times a day. I get a little piece. You know, like you pour just the right amount of uh, pills out of a jar. Um, I did 300 wire staples in a project. I had one left. Little things like that I see that I used to call coincidence. I don't call it coincidence anymore. I know I'm, I'm running short probably on the 20 minutes. Um, I picked up some resentments along the way. My sponsor had me do this. Not only did he assign me a mini fourth step and work on these resentments, make amends, which I love doing. That's my favorite thing in program. He had me pray this for folks that I felt could use help. Page 67 of the big book. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry and thy will be done. 
I'll kind of end on this one. Um, this is the big book. It's page 132. We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in our case food in its worst aspect, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in cynicism over the state of the nations, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire that is compulsive overeating, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do not, I'm sorry, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. There's a promise. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we can see how our experience can benefit others. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. We think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered and have been given the power to help others.